0: Uh, and from asking God to provide uh, with the right person. And also, to all of you who live in the bit of oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I remember working in the study and wearing gloves. It was that bad. So there we are. But uh, it's probably better now. The brief you've given me is to speak about uh, why I'm a Christian and how. Uh, and the straightforward answer uh, is that I'm a Christian, uh, because I'm not an atheist, uh, which is what I was up till I had a kind of classic conversion experience. Uh, I was a teenager, I was at uh, a public school, I was in rebellion against the status quo and the establishment and all the assumptions about religion and faith, uh, and therefore said, I'm not playing this game, I'll be an atheist. And it was a very considered decision. Uh, and then, inconveniently, I came metaphorically face-to-face with Jesus Christ and I was forced to reconsider uh, my atheist assumptions. 20th of August 1966, the same as after the world I'm waking up in the morning and knowing deep in my psyche that life had changed irrevocably. There's something about the way in which the consciousness of God in the face of Jesus Christ takes residence in you. Those of you who know C.S. Lewis will know the Narnia stories. C.S. Lewis describes the evolution of the Narnia stories uh, where the lion's the, the, the figure of Jesus Christ in this way. At first, I had very little idea, he said, of how the story would go. But then suddenly, Asa and the lion came around the I think I've been having many dreams about lions at that time. Apart from that, I don't know where the lion came from or why he came. But once he was there, he pulled the whole story together. And I guess that's what happened for me. Uh, for me, the lion came down into my life and took up residence. Uh, and I guess the default reverter for me would be atheism. Atheism makes so much sense. Because there's nothing in the world necessarily that points you to anything. Well, that's what I thought. But that continuing C.S. Lewis conundrum of not being able to make sense of Jesus Christ, his life, his death, his resurrection, his teaching outside of the Christian story is what draws me back again and again. If you ask me how do I cope in times of doubt and when well, I'm not knowing. It's going back to that sense that Jesus Christ is <laughs> inexplicably entwined. Uh, his story has entwined itself with my story. And so that's been it for the last 50 years. Getting a hand on what sustains you, in is it more difficult. Um, I think the story the of the anointing at Bethany gives a few pointers. Here is Jesus at the house of his friend Lazarus in Bethany. Uh, presumably a, a celebration of uh, the Lazarus has been raised from death. Pretty worth celebrating, really. You can have, have something to celebrate. Your mate coming back to life isn't a bad thing to do. Uh, and uh, Martha and Mary are there exercising their characteristic ministries of service <coughs> and prayerfulness. And Mary makes an act of costly devotion. She so makes a large amount of heart what we know and essential oil from India, and she anoints Jesus. Not his head, or this part of the story, others have differently, not his head, uh, which is a sign of kingship, but his feet, which is where you start when you're anointing a body for burial. And not only that, but she lets her hair down, uh, which is a, a pretty shaming, shaming thing for a woman to do in that society. And she wipes his feet. And the smell pervades the house. Thank you Mr Potato Head, that's what your nose is for. (coughs) You can smell the perfume throughout the house. And this is an extravagant act for her. A sign of her love for Jesus. What's poured out at the feet of the Messiah is a symbol of the overflowing love of God that subsists in the person of God incarnate, who is here with them and among them. I think in all my years as a Christian, though I might have always expressed it in this way, it's been the reality of the grace of God that's animated by understanding. I, I guess my approach to life is pretty cerebral. Um, I use my head quite a lot, so I live inside my head. Uh, but what always me out short is the reality of the outrageous character of grace and our response to it. Uh, and this act of anointing Jesus is all about responding to that outrageous grace. You see the story of God is the story in which we live and it's the story of a covenant-keeping creator who always calls his people back whenever they rebel or try to walk away, whether in Old Testament or New Testament. You and I have been grabbed by the overwhelming, <coughs> never ending, reckless love of God. <coughs> this is a popular worship song, which you probably don't sing here at the moment, but it's a good one. The overwhelming, never ending, reckless love of God. Grace is the theme, and grace is like a word that runs to the rock of our church, the life of the church. Grace is. As Tom Barthes says, what pursues us, hunts us down, and then gives us the means to live. Bart says this Grace and gratitude belong together, like heaven and earth. Grace <coughs> evokes grace, sorry, gratitude evokes grace, like the voice and the echo. Gratitude follows grace as thunder follows light. We live in the grace of God. If there's nothing else you can recall from this morning, I would love you to rediscover and bask in the grace of God. That's the sunshine of our existence. God comes in Jesus Christ by grace. We respond to God by grace. We live day to day by grace. The perfume fills the room and fills our lives. Are you smelling it? So grace is my first The second theme is the theme of the cross, uh, foreshadowed in the act of anointing. Uh, John tells us that uh, Mary brought it so she might in the day of my burial. I don't know if you know Malcolm Guite's sonnet, uh, the anointing that second. Let me try this one on you. Come close with Mary, Martha, Ashley. So close the candles stir with their soft breath and kindle heart and soul to flame within us, lit by these mysteries of life and death. For beauty now begins the final movement in quietness and intimate encounter. The alabaster jar of precious ointment is broken open for the world's true lover. The whole room richly fills to feast the senses with all the yearning such a fragrance brings. The heart is mourning, but the spirit dances here at the very centre of all things. Here at the meeting place of love and loss, we all foresee and see Beyond the cross. Conversion to God puts our lives into the story. The pattern of life we live is the pattern in the Christian calendar uh, which starts today with Passion Time and takes us on through our Sunday to Holy There is no Christian life without passion and death. There is resurrection, but we have to go through back and and death to get there. Uh, for the best part of uh, 30 years, I've been part of a Christian festival called Spring Harvest. It won't be toward your tastes. Maybe how you define yourselves is that uh, at St. Luke's you aren't Spring Harvest. <laughs> That's alright. Uh, but it's been a place for the church in the UK over the years. Uh, Six thousand or so Christians each week go to Butlin's. Uh, at my head, it's guests And they're usually there during holy It's the hardest job in the world to prevent the Christians there from trying to experience premature resurrection. (laughs) (laughs) Your minds are like mine. (laughs) They want to sing the songs of the risen Lord before they've got them. On Good Friday we have to hold them back from a celebration that hasn't happened yet. Jesus still on the cross, Jesus in the tomb, the agony of betrayal, the agony of death, the agony of desolation, the agony of loss, all those have to happen before the glories of Easter morning. Because the Christian life can't be lived any other way. That's the pattern, life, death, resurrection. When I first became a Christian, I was not Church of England, that came later. But what I've learned through my encounter with liturgical prayer, with the Christian seasons, with the rhythm of life, is that spirituality grows as you put that pattern into your way of being. Nothing new here, is there? Shock Bishop believes in the cross and resurrection of the day. The anointing at Bethany points us. To the ubiquitous imprint of the cross on our lives. What has wrought our salvation is also the life of our living. Grace, cross, finally, kingdom. Judas objects to the extravagance. Sell the perfume, give the money to the poor. Of course, he doesn't mean it. St. John tells us he was just a common thief. But there is a focus here beyond ourselves. The poor, says Jesus, are always with us. There are two ways to respond to that. The poor will always be with us, and us don't like to try to deal with it. But that's the response of acidity, of an otherworldly approach that shrugs its shoulders and turns inward. Or we can take seriously the message of the kingdom of God. Not a major feature of John's Gospel but it's there, which insists that in Jesus Christ God has invaded the world and life can never be the same again. To be in the story, to live in the story, is to live and work for the kingdom, unavoidably so. Ask me why I'm still a Christian? One of the reasons is that i found in the kingdom of God a key to understanding how our innate human desires for justice, for transformation, for a new and society, make sense and cohere in the purposes of God, that the world has a destination and a hope, a new heaven from a new earth, signs of which are already among us, but not yet perfected. Yes, the poor are always with us, but there is a kingdom ethic of transformation that makes things different. And makes all things new. So what is it that animates me as a Christian? Why am I still a Christian? Why do I carry on living this life? Grace, because God holds on to me. Cross, because that's the centre of who we are. Kingdom, because that's what we do. Those are the big things that sustain me as a Christian. And as we walk together through this Passion Tide and Holy Week, we resolve to go deeper into the story. You see, it's all about to kick off. The raising of Lazarus has provoked the chief priests. It's poked them. They are out to get Lazarus. They're out to get Jesus. They're out to get us too. If we share the story. Amen.